Welcome to Working From The Inside Out with Vanessa Equestrian and your host, Ali O'Brien. Join us as we unpack the equestrian dream, talking to incredible riders, equine experts, and a few of our own tips too. Welcome to Working From The Inside Out, and today I am really lucky to have with me Tony Haynes. And so Tony Haynes lives in Australia, and I met him through Warwick Schiller. Um, I went to train with Warwick, for those of you who don't know, um, back in 2013. And then Tony went over sometime after me, so I sort of became aware of him from that. And then I have followed along and really enjoyed um, watching and listening and hearing his insights from working with horses as well. I think there's always so much to learn from everyone. So thank you, Tony, for joining me today. I'm just going to do a brief bio because I think it's better when you can tell it yourself because it's always a lot more detailed than than what I can give. So, um, Tony, I'll hand it over to you and uh, tell us a little bit about um, your story, how you came to horses and um, your journey and, and what you're doing now and then I think we'll branch off in all different directions from there I'm sure. Oh, sounds good, thanks Ali, uh, hi everyone. Um, oh, I'm a little bit nervous here but I'm sure we'll warm out of that. <laughs> Me too, I'm always uh, nervous. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just getting used to the delay on the phone. Oh yeah, I, I became aware of Ali through Wobshiller as well. I, I was over in 2014 at Warwick, um, but that's a whole bunch into the journey. So just a, a little bit briefly about me. My um, dad was a plant operator and, and built a lot of, he was worked for people building a lot of the dams and um, roads and whatnot around Australia. So I was lucky enough to grow up in rural Australia. I went to something like 15 different schools and, and something like 12 of those were before I had finished year four. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty full on. I, I learned to make friends pretty quick at a young age. Mm. Um, but the best bit about it was we were always in rural areas, little tiny towns. And um, of course, with that, there was always a, a kid at school who had a farm. And, um, you know, that, that uh, rural lifestyle was something that I, I grew up in. Um, and my mum absolutely loved all the Australian classic movies like, um, you know, The Man from Snowy River and, mm-hmm. and A Town Like Alice and All the Rivers Run. And, and there was always horses in those films. And uh, my, my mum and I were very close and, and we'd watch a lot of these movies together. And uh, I think that's where my love of horses started from. Mm, awesome. Do you know, I have a confession um, to make. <laughs> I think we're a little bit slower now, and uh, uh, the lag yes. in, in the um, in the phone call. But <laughs> I've never watched this man from Snowy River, and I feel really embarrassed about like that because I feel like <laughs> it's one that every horse person should watch. Uh, it's a classic love tale, Lily. I'm sure you'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to put it on my on my watch list. Actually, it, it was filmed a oh, probably a few hundred kilometres from where we live, mm. a bit less as a as a crow flies, and um, 
we get up in that part of the country a little bit. Ian and I've taken the horses up, and it just it's it's absolutely spectacular mm. countryside. It's worth it just for the scenery alone. I think. Ah, oh, awesome! That's fantastic. Anyway, I'll let you carry on with um with your story. <laughs> Uh, okay, once I get over the shock that you haven't um, watched that film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrible, I know. <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, just kidding. But, um, I, I used to um, want to ride the horse, and I had a motorbike when, from the time I was four, and so I had some balance and skills, mm -hmm. and um, we'd, we'd go to the... They used to have little options in the town, and there'd always be someone with pony rides and, and, and so I'd fib and say that I had a horse and, and then you know so that I could ride a horse without being led around and, and what I'd do was watch like hell as everyone else rode and try and work out how to do it and then hop on the horse and uh, you know it's not that hard to ride a, a, um, a pony ride pony but I, I absolutely loved it. That's um, awesome. And by the time where I was uh, Finishing year four, we settled in a little town called Dysart out in the middle of Queensland. And uh, Dad got a job in the mine, which basically was big money in a permanent gig. So we stopped moving after that mm -hmm. and uh, put some roots down. And my sister decided she wanted a horse for Christmas. And I thought, geez, that's a, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our, that, that was every present uh, for the whole year for us. And I think maybe some of the next year as well. And my <laughs> sister didn't enjoy the horse. She, she hopped on and he took off on her and uh, I think she only ever hopped on a couple of times after that, but I absolutely wow. loved it and, and, and the rest is history. That's interesting. Uh, kind of funny that it was your sister that asked for it and um, <laughs> and didn't carry on. Did, has she ridden since then or has it just you that's carried on the, the horse side of things? We haven't lost Tony. Sorry about this, guys. We will. Looks like our call dropped off, so I'll just pick it up again and hopefully it works. Hello. I'm I'm back. I'll drop that out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not too sure if um, it's just a really delayed uh, sound or if you've gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've gone. <laughs> um, so I was just asking, um, did your did your sister ever ride again at all, or did she completely finish up? Well, I think she wanted to ride, mm. and, and she had a few more goes over the time we had that horse. But he was—he was quite a handful. Like um, our folks probably need to be sent to jail for letting us ride it as child abuse. But uh, <laughs> yeah, she never, never got over the fear. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, um, well, I guess a lot of us start off that way, don't we? I, I can remember. Um, well, I, I'd had riding lessons. But um, my parents weren't horsey at all. And the first pony they bought uh, me was a just freshly started 
uh, little Morgan and she would some days be great and um, other days she would just like bolt like a maniac for the fence and, and dump me in it and um, she ended up going back to the people but <laughs> I think uh, poor poor non-horsey parents. Yes, well, my dad had been around horses. He, um, if I remember the story correctly, his mm. uncle had a milk run, and one of the cart horses was a, a Palomino stallion. And dad would ride him through just through the paddock with his mates. Uh, no, no tack or anything, but he, mm -hmm. it was just the thing they did back then because there was nothing else to do. He, he didn't have a love of horses, mm. but um, yeah, he, even still, I, I, I think <laughs> that's just what we did back then, Ali. It was. Uh, that's just what horses were. Um, I guess we're a little bit spoiled these days with how refined some of them are. Or perhaps that's what we tell ourselves because um, <laughs> our parents really didn't have a clue. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, we had one who was a um, pig hunting horse and uh, she was she was the family horse and I think she was about 16 too and a Clyde Cross and we'd same thing like be on her just bareback and with a um bailing twine bridle and <laughs> I somehow I always managed to stay safe on her but um I don't think she had too many buttons <laughs> it's it's quite a funny thing and I suppose hopefully this talk gets back to that but I, I wonder if that's something that's there and we lose it along the way as we start learning more things mm. um just that sort of safe connection with the horse because it's a common story isn't it it really is isn't it especially with um especially with children um yeah let's definitely come back to this topic because that would be a fun one to explore yeah well i think that's a, about where i've evolved to we're <laughs> just back to the very very beginning but um yeah it'd be cool to get back there because it, it was a hell of a journey to get here <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. So and then um so you started riding your 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 pony that your parents had got you. Yeah, it's Tonka Chips and uh mm -hmm. that, that was great. We we had a uh, little stable I think it was about a kilometer out of town. It was only a small town, uh, maybe 5,000 people in a big year. So I'd ride my bicycle up there, and the guy had the stable next to us. His name was Matt Holdsworth, and he he was a rider. He was just a bushy fellow. He didn't compete or anything, but he, he showed me a bit how to ride. And mm. he'd take us on, um, he'd take, get a few of the kids together and say, all right, we'll go for a ride here or there. And we'd find a little gully to jump and make it an obstacle course, and we'd, we'd sort of have unofficial competitions there. And... You know, it was a hell of a lot of fun, a, a really nice way to, to learn how to ride a horse. And mm. um, of course, around the bush, which is something that I already loved by then. So I really enjoyed that. That's awesome. It sounds like a, a childhood dream. It, yes, I have fond memories and, um, and hope that my little girl can do the same someday. Yeah, awesome. And so you, from there, you went on to ride track work, was it? It was. I was a little, tiny, scrawny, skinny fella, and I reckon my knees were twice the size of my thighs <laughs> about that age. <laughs> and um, we were getting uh, feed from the local feed shed, and the, the old fella who ran it said, 
saw me and he said, um, you want a job, Jacko? You, you look like you do all right uh, as, a, as a jockey. <laughs> anyway, him and Dad talked about it. He offered me a job in his feed shed after school and, and yeah, eventually um, as a stable hand, you know, just mucking out and yeah. carrying the horses and whatnot. And it was the start of one of the wettest wet seasons in ages at the time. So I learned to ride in a jockey pad with um, half the track underwater and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty full on in, in hindsight to learn like that. But I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. That's awesome. Do you, did you ever have any really scary moments or accidents or, or things that probably should have put you off? <laughs> uh, Ali, I did it for, for around five years and the first day that I didn't have to ride track work the next day, I went to sleep. I was maybe 17 and I, and I thought, something feels weird. Mm. I, don't, I can't put my finger on it. And I realised I wasn't scared of what might happen the next day. So I basically spent five years of my life terrified of what was going to happen the next <laughs> ride I had. Wow. So basically, like, you, you shut down a little bit. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I shut down or I did it anyway. I, you know, I'd, I'd ridden motorbikes for yeah. years by then, so I was used to um, adrenaline, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I, I can remember... Um... Sorry? Oh, you're right. Go on. Oh, I was I was just going to say, um, I my first experience with track work, I was sent out onto the track with a young guy, and he was meant to show me how, how to do it, and... I said to him, okay, so how do I do it? And he said, oh, just hold the reins like your pony club horses. And so I thought, oh, okay. And um, and I did. And we were just meant to be doing like slow canter work. And we got out on the track and this thing just took <laughs> off on me. And I had, no, I had no hope in stopping it because, of course, I had my pony club reins. And um, and we galloped, like, the whole way around, twi- twice around. And when I got back, oh, I don't think my lungs have ever burned so much. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I didn't carry on with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. I, um, my wife Anne had a similar experience, and if I remember it right, she she, um, she had a horse that took off, and and she had to try and um, control it pretty hard, and her legs went on her, and she bailed out. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> they put the siren on to, to let the let the people know there was an accident on and everything. So Anne didn't go back to it either. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing, <laughs> but you lasted a while, so you you did well. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved horses. I love everything mm. about them, and, and and I just remember right from the first time I was near one, just that smell, um, mm. just you know, it's something else. And to to be able to work with them, and and at that stage, I didn't know much about horses really, but I just I just knew I enjoyed being with them. And I guess a little bit like golf, well, I don't play golf, but people who do tell me you only need one good game in 100 to keep you going. And, and mm-hmm. with those horses, you'd have one good ride and it was just a sniff to keep you going and motivated. And um, mm. I discovered money by then. I was getting paid to ride by a few people and I, I liked that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing what you love and getting paid for it. 
Yes, and, and, and I guess that got me through the more difficult ones. But um, I got to meet a lot of characters in that small country town, people who probably shouldn't have been anywhere near horses mm-hmm. and uh, people who, right through to people who'd been with them their whole life and, and still rate as some of the best horsemen I've met. So it, yeah, it was awesome. cool. It was a good exposure and uh, a lot of fun times. And is there anything in particular that um, you've taken away with you from that time of training I know like often I'll think back to when I was young or I'll be doing something with a horse and then I'm uh, I I worked a little bit with a guy when I was about 12 and I helped him starting horses and I had no idea what he was doing but um (laughs) but I watched and watched and watched and then uh, nowadays like uh I'll be doing something and I'm like ah that's what he was doing and that's why he was doing it Um, I can't put my finger on anything in particular, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not particularly smart with horses, but I, one thing that I do have going for me is I've got a pretty good memory. And, and as you explained there, yeah, there's a lot of times I'll see something and go, ah, that's what they were doing or, or that's mm-hmm. why that happened or, or what have you. But probably not strong enough to be able to write it down and use it as you know, a, a go-to technique or, or, or whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Ali, they were the bad old days. You know, we mouth horses by putting bits in their mouth and tying short reins to their side, and and, and you know, we, <laughs> you pick mm. up on the reins and the horse had stopped, but it was only because, you know, in hindsight, it had a sore mouth and it, and it, it was trying to evade that bit, or, yeah. or we'd, um, you know, bag horses out so that they were pretty shut down. And um, that's just sort of. Mm. What, what was done there so so yeah. there's a there's a probably a lot more things i reflect on and try and steer away from mm-hmm. um but 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 definitely the bloke i was indentured to edgar highfield was a wonderful horseman and there was a lot uh, of i wish i could remember a lot more of what he said because you know his horses were quite well broken and they were a joy to ride track work on yeah that's really neat eh? I think uh, even sometimes it was was a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I guess even if we can't remember exactly what they said or did, I think those things shape us and it's almost like they plant the seed, like maybe perhaps because of that little seed that he planted in you kind of has led you on to the journey um, that you've been on. I think you're so right. think even some of the more horrible things that I've done in the past, um, you know, I, I look back and wish I hadn't done them. And, mm. and, and I, you know, it, it's a pretty judgmental sport and it's pretty easy to judge people, but sometimes they've got to do that, to, and that's a part of their journey, their unique journey that will lead them to potentially somewhere great. So yeah, it's an interesting observation. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So what happened after that? <laughs> Oh, I got a um, I got too tall to be a jockey, and I didn't particularly try at school. I thought I'd just always have a job in the horse industry. Mm. And um, when I got too tall and, and, and heavy, I um, had to pull my socks up a little bit. So I got a trade, mm-hmm. and um, it, times were pretty tough then. I was on the award wage, living in a, a mining town that was extremely expensive, mm. and uh, so I, I focused on that. Um, pretty much for, for quite a few years mm. and then um, once I progressed through my trade enough to have a bit of uh, exposable income again 
the I figured on getting a horse again and getting back into it. And uh, when, when the opportunity presented, I jumped at it with both hands. Awesome. Yeah, but it was quite a long time between drinks. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't have anything to do with horses in that time? I, I, I rode one every chance I got. I um, mm. added them every chance I got. When I first moved to Melbourne from Queensland, we went to Oaksdale, I think it was, one of the one of the races. And um, oh, there was too many people. I, I, I couldn't cope with all the people and the... Um, you know, the culture of it there. So I, I jumped the fence and went and hung mm. out backstage with the strappers and the horses in the stalls. And, uh, yeah, that, that was mm. about as close to horses as I got. But yeah. The, um, you know, that smell, it, it, it never mm. went away, the memory of that smell and how much I loved it. So mm. it was always going to be a matter of time before I got back into it again. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And so what, uh, what was your first horse coming back into horses again? Well, it was my beautiful banjo. Aha. I've heard a lot about banjo. And, um, <laughs> it was, uh, I, well, I, I owe a lot to banjo. He's, he, hmm. he's taught me a lot. And um, through banjo, I, you're talking about the man from Snowy River. That, I used to think I was the man from Snowy River and quite a fantastic horseman. But, but mm-hmm. in hindsight, I was just a bully who didn't fall off very often. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I um, guess there's a lot of those sort of uh, riders around, doesn't there? Yes, yeah, and, and I have to put my hand up and say I was definitely one of them. And, and yeah. you know what, Elliot worked for a long time. I, I got by and, mm. and um, you know, did okay. But this horse, Ben, he basically said, uh, I, I don't succumb to force and pressure and bullying and uh, you can stick it up your bum. So we yeah. had a... But I saw him, I met him, fell in love with him in about three seconds flat. Like hmm. I've never loved a horse before and, and bored him. He was completely inappropriate. But I thought, <laughs> well, I, I don't care. I love horses and I want him. And, and, and whatever happens is, is what will happen. Mm. Um, and I, anyway, I plundered away for him for a little while and, and things got worse. I could ride him, but it was never enjoyable. He didn't enjoy being ridden. Right. Um, what was his history? Uh, he is a horse. He's a thoroughbred by Zabil. Mm-hmm. He comes from your homeland. Ah, right. And, um, he, yeah, he, he was out of a, a mare called Better Succeed. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, he's from, um, well, what's the stud over there? So Cam- Cambridge stud? The Cambridge stud? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. So he mm. came over to Australia as a yearling and was sold for a million dollars neat at, at sale wow. as a yearling mm-hmm. and continued to race till he was eight and a half and only ever won $60,000. That's not a very good uh, ROI, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. And, um, you know, I kind of, a part of me really respects him for that where he really stuck it to the man and... and, and, and um, <laughs> Even though, they, you know, the poor guy was a steeplechaser in the end. He's got a busted nose from his last race where he, where he went thumb over, mm. over the uh, jump. And uh, and that's his whole personality. He's, mm. He will not be forced. He will not succumb. Um, yeah. So, you know, I really admire and respect him for that. It's been a pain in the bum. <laughs> but um, he's definitely forced me to pull my socks up and raise to the occasion. So, mm. But uh, he's, a, he's a really... Um, 
Cook. He's a lovely boy. He likes mergers and that. It's just when you're writing, but, uh, but, but, but he won't be forced and told. Yeah, it's kind of awesome um, when you when you come across horses like that. Um, whenever I work with a person in a lesson uh, that has a horse like that, and you know they're kind of all emotional about it, and I say to them, "High five to your horse." <laughs> I, I guess with a few years of um, under my belt now, I was understanding them a bit better. I enjoy those horses and think, oh, cool, what am I going to learn here? This is going to be great. Mm. But when, um, you know, if you don't know there's a way out, it, it could probably lead to quite a lot of despair and frustration, I could imagine. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And so um, you, he, he was the one that led you to finding Warwick Schiller? Yeah, so what happened was I, it was, it's hilarious to think back. Mm-hmm. I thought, I wonder if some of these issues might be because of me. I wonder if there's something I could do a different or, because I thought I knew everything. Mm. And, and to say that now is kind of embarrassing, but it's so, so hilarious to, you know, where I'm at now, I think oh, I'm about 1% of the way along the journey. But um, mm. uh, it, I really realised I needed help when I was doing some float loading with him and he'd go in, so we had a bit of obedience, but the first time I closed the back of the float up, he went berserk and started bucking and kicking and of course the first kick bent all the pins that um, held the gate up so they wouldn't open and I had the the back wheels of the vehicle that the float was on were coming off the ground. It was Mm. was pretty... Gee, scary. It was a pretty spectacular event. Yeah, really traumatic actually, and mm-hmm. um, so then I thought, okay, I definitely need to do something because I thought I'd killed him. I thought he had a broken leg, but it must have just been swollen in a funny mm-hmm. way. And, and anyway, eventually I got him out of the trailer, and he ran over to the stable, and I walked over to him with you know, calling the vet, mm-hmm. and uh, I went to walk away, and he sort of panicked a little bit, and that was when our bond be- become full like that. No. Um, you know, it sounds a bit silly. He he needed me, so I loved him more. But but it yeah. was really a, a moment, and, and that stayed with me. And, and I've never had a connection like that with any horse ever. So mm. um, then I got on the good old interwebs and and had a bit of a look around. And uh, a guy called Dan Maloney from Four to the Floor Horsemanship come out and done a float loading clinic at home. And I, I think it took him about four hours before the horse would go on the clinic and he said it's not the worst one he's ever met but uh, he hasn't met any any that are worse <laughs> and, um, it, watching watching him work was just it just blew me away that that, that you could point and a, and a horse would would yield and um, yeah. I, I thought it was a contact sport right and horse you know you use physical contact to to um demonstrate your cues but to see that mental aspect, it, it, it just blew me away. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people see what we do and turn their nose up at it. And I don't know how because I saw it and went, oh, man, I need to know that. That's that's magic voodoo stuff. How, you know, mm. give me some of that. Give me all of that. So that mm. that got me open to, I guess, what we call horsemanship. Yep. And, um, and, and then just through sheer coincidence, I, I um, was looking up. Matt, um, Dan had mentioned that he had separation anxiety, so I looked that up and then Warwick's name popped up on YouTube. Uh-huh. And 
he was doing a clinic only a few kilometres away, only a few weeks later. So that's how it all started for me. That's uh, kind of amazing. It sounds uh, very much like my story, although it was with, um, mine was with, I started off with Buck Brannerman and um, I'd kind of hit a wall with this young warm blood that I had. She'd been a little abused and, um, and I just couldn't progress any further. And uh, so I, one day I lost it and then I just kind of like, I had, I broke down and I was like, I need, I need some help. And, um, a few days later, I, a thing popped up on Facebook. It's saying that, um, they needed a guinea pig for, um, Equidays and, and it was for, uh, Andrew McLean. So, um, I took my horse along to this at Equidays and, um, and it really interested me and I learned some bits and pieces and then it kind of sparked I guess my learning journey of discovering more and so I'm on the computer and and searching away and then I found uh, Buck Brannerman and I watched his I watched the movie and so I was just like totally oh, yeah, Oh, yeah, just incredible. And I was just like, wow, because I come from a typical pony club and show jumping background and, um, and, and yeah, probably ridden a mechanical and got away on being a good rider and a brave rider, um, but not understanding anything about the horse. And so, yeah, very much the same as you, just totally blew my mind. And then, so I thought, oh, I, I need to find out more about this butt guy. And um, he was doing a clinic at his biannual clinic um, oh, 45 minutes away from me the very next weekend. So <laughs> I thought, well, if that's a sign. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. So I think, uh, I think we're it's, very, we're very much had the same story. <laughs> And Ali, do you meet a lot of people with a similar story? Yeah, I think so. It's kind of like, well, I guess there's some people that have those very definite moments, probably a little like you and I, and then some who kind of almost just like fall upon it. And then I meet some people who are a little on the fence, like uh, they can't, they they know some good things of, of this stuff, um, but it's like they can't quite fully commit. And I think... Well, maybe maybe they just haven't met that horse yet in their journey that's going to make them really see um, how beneficial it is, perhaps. Yeah, I guess so. I've just found, and I talk about it often, that through this um, group or scene or, or whatever it is, those of us who were at wit's end and then found a good clinician and then mm. met each other everyone seems to be amazing and i think they have that humble attitude yeah um where where there's no bs left anymore the horses really <laughs> made us humble and and we can't get ourselves and, and you know that's um that's a hard thing it's like being stripped bare and, and having all your armor taken off but yeah then once you commit to that journey mm. um you know everyone in my path seems to just be wonderful people. It's, mm. it's such a blessing. And um, I just asked if you'd met a lot of people like that because I seem to have met a lot of people with a similar story all kind of end up in a similar place. Yeah, it's really neat, isn't it? 
it is. And, and you know, this horse, Banjo, he, he sort of put me on this journey, and, and that's how I met Anne. Mm. Ah. Anne had a similar story when she was young. She bought a, a, a horse, and he was pretty crazy. He, he threw mm. her off in um, Centennial Park in, in down near Sydney there when she was a, a young girl, and she wow. went to um, get some help from people who turned out to be Pirelli, some of the first Pirelli instructors in Australia. Ah. And, and the same thing, she, she saw that communication and went, oh, I, I need some of this. Because the horses respond straight away, so that, that's yep. all the proof you do need. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, thinking about the people who sit on the fence, maybe, as you said, they just haven't had that horse that requires them to go fully into it. And, and, because it's not until the horse makes you that, or me anyway, that, mm-hmm. that, um, that I was... Uh, required to put that much effort in and I suppose if Banjo yeah. hadn't come along I'd probably still be the rider that I was because I didn't really need to learn anymore mm. for those horses um, mm. to get to get by I guess I mean of course I needed to learn more but... <laughs> yeah yeah you can kind of um I think when you've got one of those horses that is just quite compliant and they might have some underlying issues, but they sort of just get on with the job and go about it. And I guess that's where a lot of people, those are probably the people that are um, on the fence a little bit. Yeah, I guess a horse can definitely flatter us. (laughs) (laughs) They sure can. (laughs) And and, and equally, a horse can definitely, you know, put you right back in your box, so. Yep, definitely. Um, There's, um... There's no, never a dull moment with the New Zealanders. You're always, you're always wondering what's next. Yeah, I was just thinking about as well with you talking about a, sort of the group that we've been a part of. With the, it's got some um, professionals from all around the world, and um, how everyone's very humble. And what I really love about that is there's definitely people in there that have different um, thoughts and different methods, but everyone is really open like there seems to be no judgment um oh have i lost you tony no i'm, I'm, oh, I'm no. still here you're still there oh good um it said connection lost so i thought oh <laughs> um yeah and everyone is supportive of one another and i think that's such a like what you were saying like the the horse really teaches you that doesn't it to um, to not be judgmental and to not uh, let your ego get in the way and I guess those things are always there but I think you become more aware of it and able to uh, kind of check yourself <laughs> before it takes over. Yeah, I've noticed that in that, that the peer group that, that somehow um, I've become a part of and, and mm-hmm. it is quite wonderful and, and you know you look at these great trainers and they've probably been made humble more times than most people ever try, you know, and, mm. and you realise, well, the old saying is pride comes before a fall, but if you get a little bit cocky, that's the next horse that comes along will put you back in the box pretty hard. And it's been wonderful to be influenced by these people who really are right up there at the top of the game because yeah. they really do set a good example for humility. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's that's um, it's been something that probably I always didn't have in the past, but um, it, it's lovely to have gained that as I've gotten a bit older and been around some good influences. 
Mm -hmm. I, I think we're pretty lucky as well because when you're around those sort of people like sometimes when, <laughs> when I get out into other parts of the world and and see some of the things that go on I'm quite shocked like oh <laughs> I didn't even know, know this sort of stuff happens <laughs> oh Ali but there's a video getting around at the moment with the horse with rope tied to the saddle horn and I, and I guess that's a perfect example of what you're saying where yeah, exactly. I, even yeah, I haven't seen that. Prepare yourself. It's um, it, it, it's very different. Oh golly! Different. I'm sure it will pop um, up soon. Then, yeah, that, I mean, uh, yes, yeah, I've, I've I've seen it three or four times in the last two days. But the, you know, and again, it just signifies that there's always a different way of doing things and. Mm -hmm. um, if we take a big picture approach, we can we can work out what we're going to keep and what we're we're not going to use. And, and yeah. I guess the magic lies in having a good think about why we build and why we won't, and what other benefits or um, mm. uh, issues may arise out of that technique. And it's a never-ending journey. Yeah, yeah, yep, it sure is. And so um, I guess getting back to your story a little bit, it's kind of nice. Um, I told you we'd go all over the place. <laughs> um, so getting back um, to good, your story yes. <laughs> yeah, with um, Banjo and what did we get up to? Um, we were talking about... Um, so, so we got up to where what came into my life. Yes. And it's funny, um, Warwick would later go on to say, when we met, because I just turned up to his clinic to fence it, it was literally, you know, 10 kilometres down the road, and um, mm. I, I watched a bunch of his videos and what he said on, on just on YouTube and the way he explained things, because I'm a pretty mechanically minded person, I, they made sense to me. Mm. And there was no voodoo or no crazy mystic mm. stuff to work out. It was just pretty black and white. Um, stuff and that got me interested and, and I applied some to the horse and it made a definite difference straight away so I guess I went to his clinic recently aware of him maybe a few weeks and mm. everything I observed I would ask a question about and then, and then if yeah. I could relate it to a problem I was having with Banjo I'd put my hand up and say hey mm. listen I think this you're uh, and he'd later say when we met you're the annoying bugger who asked 50,000 <laughs> questions and at the halfway through day one I'm thinking oh my god is this guy trying to show me up or what and but the halfway through day two he realized that I was seriously um curious and interested and, and, and wanted to understand more so yeah uh, awesome. apologies to anyone who was riding at that clinic who had to put up with me rabbiting on all day <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting isn't it because um recently I had a a, a a student who was that person in the clinic too and kind of talked over top of everyone and asked lots of questions and at the start I thought oh gosh like, <laughs> this person is a little bit rude but um but I quickly realized that that they were just so uh, eager to learn and um just really 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 wanted to know and was like a sponge so I kind of um thought oh this is cool <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I, I hope I wasn't rude and talking over people. It was a lot, you know, it was four or five years ago now. But the, it, it sort of, uh, to hear him tell that story has, has given me mm. um, 
cause to just cut people a little bit more slack when they are asking a lot of questions, especially yeah. if they're disagreeing because, mm. you know, if they're doing what I was doing, it was just trying to workshop what you do know mm-hmm. and, and, and get to what you, know, what you want to know. But then some people you can talk to you blue in the face and, and they'll only hear what they want to hear. And yeah. That could be frustrating. Yeah, yeah, but I guess it's as a teacher, that's a really good point to keep an open mind um, for for those people that are asking the questions. Yeah, and, and I guess because of the courtesy that's been shown to me, I, if someone has a genuine curiosity and, and, and a desire to learn, I, I'll give them as much effort as I possibly can. Um, yeah. Because it's wonderful to watch someone grow, and you know, mm-hmm. I was quite lucky, and I don't see why I shouldn't pass on uh, what I've been fortunate enough to learn. Um, you know, as a, as a way of paying it forward, I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah, eh? I I really agree. I think sometimes as well when um, I'm talking to like some friends that have knowledge, and they think, oh, maybe I don't know enough, and at the very beginning, I, I, I know I felt the same, and somebody said to me that you always know something more that, or you more or something different than the next person, so you kind of owe it to the horse to pass it along. That, yeah, that's right, isn't it? It's so true. Uh, um, e- even experts uh, could meet an ordinary person, and that ordinary person would know something more than the expert in another field. So yeah, it, it's true. And I love what you say that you owe it to the horse to pass it on, because the horses benefit when we share this knowledge and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, points of view and thoughts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so after the clinic, um, you took that information away and then went and applied it with Banjo? Oh, yes. So that that was a bit of a life-defining moment for me. I had, Mm -hmm. um, I was a a single man. Mm -hmm. So... And I had course to concentrate just on myself and my horses. And a, a fire swept through uh, near where I was living, and it, it was heading for my place. And, and a wind direction blew it, you know, over the ridge a few kilometres away. And mm. it was lucky for me, but it was unlucky for the people on that ridge. And through, um, oh, just through Facebook, a, a mutual friend said, "Oh, is there anyone in this area who can help my friend's farm burnt down, and, and they can't catch?" horse mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be shot if they can't catch him and um, I thought I wonder if I can uh, you know apply some of these skills and, and put it to the test so I said look mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can help or not but, I, but I'm willing to try and, and we'll see how we go and uh, the horse uh, in question was, was Buddy my buckskin horse and uh-huh. as it turned out he hadn't been caught for something like five years <laughs> um, Gee. and when all the fences burnt down he just he buggered off and, and they couldn't catch him and he, he'd run over a, a, a neighbour who'd cornered him and, and he mm. heard her so they were going to shoot him mm. and um, yeah I, I ended up uh, getting caught and I stayed on the farm because it was a pretty bad fire and a lot of animals were, were burnt badly and you had to euthanise a lot of animals it was a really hard thing to go through okay. but I didn't know the people um, and as payment they gave me the horse mm. buddy in return for the week I spent up there helping them Wow. And um, I, I guess for me that that was almost the final piece in the puzzle. Mm. That, hang on, yeah, I think I understand them a little bit better now, and um, mm. you know, might might be able to 
very useful with a lot of horses, but, but Buddy was a, he was a handful. And um, he really, it, it was a difficult time in my life, especially seeing all those animals that were burned and whatnot, and, and he really gave me something to sink my teeth into and, and mm. distract me. And it, it required a lot of um, concentration and effort because he was, you know, he hadn't been caught for five years, he broke his old owner's back, uh, he's a he's a rig, he acts like a stallion, and um, he was real, really still one of the more difficult horses I've worked with. But and over the course of a month or so, I gained his trust, and um, yeah, we haven't looked back. And, and I guess because he's a buckskin and there was a fire, yeah. it was a little bit of a oh, what would you call it? Not a sob story, but a little bit of a um, you know, I put my name on the map with some people. Name. Um, yeah. Locally, and, and, and I guess raised my credibility as, as someone who may be able to help and um, mm. it, at first it wasn't about you know being a trainer or anything it was about hey i, I think i can help and, and um mm. it sort of just it just grew from there really yeah that's... yeah i felt confident with once i got bay sorted out and, and um i thought oh, hang on i think i i think i'm really starting to get the hang of this and but That's I felt super. confident to offer my help, whereas before I'd probably just sit back and think I wasn't good enough. Mm, interesting. And so what did you learn from Buddy? Patience. Hmm. Um, and, 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 and I... And I... You go. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. I, I'm not ashamed to admit, or not too ashamed to admit, that I didn't have much of it at the start. Mm. But he would, every time I'd lose my cool and get frustrated, it would set us back a week. So he uh, he really forced me to pick my game up when it comes to patience. And it was a good mm. lesson. Interesting, isn't it? It's a little bit like I've got a, a pony here at the moment and um, he he's a pretty troubled chap. And um, he, at the beginning, I he was coming to sort of be sorted out I guess and um and I thought oh I'll just take him through the regular program you know that uh, I guess works with uh, quote unquote most horses um and there was just no way that that was going to be where he was he was wanting to start and um so that was a really good lesson for me of uh patience for myself um patience for him and probably the biggest part was um, being brave enough to say to the owners you're gonna have to be patient and um, and that I think that's quite that's almost the scariest and hardest part of it but thankfully uh, he had some he's got well he does have really cool owners that have been super super patient and um, and have let me do what um what i need to do for him and as a result he's just come away and leaps and bounds which is neat oh that's that's wonderful to hear and, and you're right it, it, i remember i think it was buck brentman or, or someone that said oh horses are the easy part it's the humans who are difficult and this was before <laughs> i understood horses very much at all and i thought what a load of rubbish these horses are really really hard to understand and um, as time's gone on, I really appreciate that sentiment because a horse is very mm. logical. And, um, you know, it's it's very ambiguous, but also very black and white, and they're very honest. Mm. And, and and people though can appear to 
think something but feel something completely different. I guess horses think what they feel. There's no mm-hmm. disconnect there. And yeah. Yeah. And, and horses don't have budgets or time constraints. So mm-hmm. that's it can be right. Very difficult when you know what the horse needs is time and, and the owner thinks they're not getting any value for money. Yeah, yeah. And and I think um, learning to, like, I think I was really lucky with this guy and his owners um, who were happy to go ahead with that and, and take the time it needed. But learning to let go, I guess, for, some, for the people that um, aren't willing to, yeah, for me, that's my most difficult part of being a horse trainer. Just yeah. wrap it up in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I tend to um, get hurt feelings on, on behalf of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all a learning journey too, I guess. It is, and I guess um, I'm at the position now where I do have the confidence to really slow things right down, and mm-hmm. because of the horse has proven to me time and time again, that, that's the way to get the, the best results in the end. Um, but uh, when a person's um, paying the money and they can't see anything happening, and they're saying, yeah, I haven't ridden my horse yet, and of course they've got their friends and peers and their ears saying, oh, old mate up the road would have been on that horse on the first day, and um it, it does it, it is really difficult and yeah um it's hard to it, it's hard to convey to the person I, I promise you that um if we do if we take a lot of time at the start once he's gone from here that's going to save you time every single time you come across a problem but, but it's a, it's not a tangible i guess and, and yeah. money isn't easy to come by so it is definitely the most difficult part of the job for me yeah yeah especially I think when you're in those really early stages of um where you're spending more time standing around with them um than doing the the moving parts yes yeah Mm. cool stuff it's kind of nice it was probably when Anne and I first moved into this property about three years ago the horse company bucked off everyone who'd ever ridden him and um I had started doing a little bit of groundwork with him and my saying always has, once I got onto this stuff, is to work backwards until you start moving forwards. Mm. And so I applied that principle and realised the horse's first little bit of problem was when I was approaching him in the paddock. And um, he was obedient but terrified. And, and as you know, they can only hold on to that obedience over fear for so long until yeah. the fear overrides and then they have an overreaction. But, Mm. The bloke who owned the horse was, you know, a, a sort of bikey looking fellow. He had a big beard and tattoos and mm. um, he was a pretty scary fellow. If he hit me, I would have stayed hit for a week or two. <laughs> and um, I'd he'd say, how you going with that horse? I'd say, listen, I haven't, I haven't put a holder on him yet, but... And I'd explain it and, he, and I, was, I over-explained it because I thought he'd, you know, be upset with me. And he'd go, no, no, you're the man doing the job. Just, you know, I've committed to this long, so whatever. <laughs> and in awesome. the end, that horse never bucked again. Uh, wow. It was all about the problem started with, with how he felt about being caught. And, and it was quite nice in the end because mm-hmm. the owner was there and the horse came over to us and, and he, he was sort of near us out of obedience at mm. the start. Mm-hmm. And we'd work with him until he was near us, just hanging out with the boys. And 
Um, I, I went on a trail ride with these guys well, maybe a year later and the horse got its foot tangled in um, a bit of wire on the ground and where he normally would have taken off bubbing he sort of just panicked a little bit, freed himself from the wire and then, and then calmed down without the guy having to do anything. And for me that was a big moment where aha, I, I was pretty sure that I was doing the right thing and, and here the proof is in the pudding. So, yeah, awesome. Um, how, that, how cool. That, that was about three years ago. Well, that's neat. Um, my peers weren't... Sorry, Ali, I've cut you off on this slow line again. No, no, you're fine. I went to cut you off. <laughs> Your peers. <laughs> uh, but, so that wasn't a, a real concept that I heard of. I hadn't met Anna Blake by mm -hmm. this stage. I hadn't read too much of her stuff. And, and what it ended up being with this horse was, was I was watching his calming signals and I didn't know that's what it was, but it was, it was watching him and how he reacted and, and yeah. then changing what he did based on how he reacted and then improving from there. And, you know, I felt like a bit of a fraud. <laughs> um, you know, when you're following a technique, you can say, oh no, but trainer X does it and, and they're world renowned and, you know, gives what you're doing some credibility. But when you're just fluffing along, making up as you go along, it <laughs> can be a little bit, um, made you feel a little bit vulnerable and, and, and I did suffer with fraud syndrome and I, I shared the ideas with someone who's quite science based and, and they gave me a big scientific breakdown about why it wouldn't work and um, mm. so I, I was really insecure but, but taking the lead from the horse mm. it just started to work time and time again and uh, I tell you I was glad when I read uh, Anna Blake's calming sitting for stuff and watched her because I thought that's what I'm doing oh it, it is a thing I'm not a you know, I'm not a liar, I'm not a phony. So yeah. It, it, it was wonderful. And I, I wasn't doing them anywhere near her level. It was just, it, it was just, the, you know, that fame of what she does. So, That's fantastic. Um, I, yeah. I don't know if you listened to um, Jim Masterson on uh, Patrick King's podcast the other week. I haven't, no. Ah, it's, it's a really good one to listen to, but... Um, it just made me think when I was listening to him and he was explaining sort of how he came to do what he does and um, and how he has chosen to not become hugely educated on the insides of the horse and what links to what and what I guess the science end of it because he said if he learns about that then it will take his mind away from just listening to the horse and because then you know he'll be thinking oh if I work on this part then it should work on this part or um so that was quite a cool explanation and almost um empowered me a little bit as well because um I don't have the sciencey uh background to back up I guess <laughs> what I do but but I know that the the horses um give me uh, good or bad feedback <laughs> with what I'm doing. Yeah, mm. The wonderful thing about the horse's feedback is it's honest. If it's good, you did a good job. If it's bad, you, you know, there's something you can change. And, and they're really wonderful mm. teachers in that regard. And it's kind of nice to hear you say that, Holly, because, um, you know, that when you're not science or based or a big time trainer and you're really open with feedback from the horse, it, it's just honest feedback, but it's mm. hard to be confident at times when someone with a greater degree of, what would you call it, education, I suppose, thinks what you do shouldn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
very interesting. And it, it's funny you talk about Jim Masterton. As I've wrapped my head around dressage, mm-hmm. good horsemanship, good groundwork, this, that, the other. Um, Anne's a vet and a chiropractor. I watch what she does. And everyone's kind of trying to achieve the same thing. And for yeah. me, I don't know anything about Jim Masterton from him, but I've got a lot of you guys talk about him. And mm. Listening to how people apply his work and what they're aiming for and watching it, yeah. it really filled the, really brought it all together for me. That whether it's good dressage or good workmanship or good anything, good reining, um, good chiropractic work, good body work, they're kind of looking for the same thing, and, and it really mm. comes down to uh, the horse feeling safe and comfortable and relaxed. Yeah, totally. Yep. And and one thing um, I've started incorporating into my sessions with horses often at the start because I what I notice is a lot of um, horses are sort of uh, I, I sort of refer to it as being out of their body so their mind is just like a million miles away and um, I think we can be. Oh, yes. Yeah, we can be a little bit like that, us, us humans, a million miles away. And um, I know in some of the meditations that I have done, um, you know, it's about bringing your mind back to the moment and maybe like focusing on a sensation or your breath or something that is kind of within. And um, so I took yes. the Masterson work, um, uh, so one example the bladder meridian sometimes i just put my hand anywhere on on their body and i get them moving because it seems that through the movement it's like it sort of brings them back to the awareness of their body and so i kind of just put my hand somewhere and i watch their expressions and um and and it's quite cool to see that uh we just walk around wherever they want to go um, it's quite neat seeing them go from being a million miles away to coming back and being uh, within themselves and being present. And then I think, well, cool that, you know, from that place we can start uh, doing some things together. Um, but I guess like you say, it, it's regardless of what you're doing, whether you're chiropractics or like you say, raining or dressage, that's such a big part of it, isn't it? Is having having them focused and and here. It's it's good and, and it's really nice to hear. So that so that thing you describe is um, where you say you're outside of your body. Are yeah. you still there? Have I lost you? Yep, I'm still here. Ah, oh, cool. It, it, it was, I, I talk out loud a lot when I teach and, and I'm just talking about what I'm seeing and feeling and I think it was at a clinic in Queensland recently mm-hmm. where I talked about focusing, or it might have been here, I, I can't remember, I talked about focusing on, on your breathing mm. and how the air feels moving in and out of your lungs, which is just a meditation technique. Yep. And, and I watched the horse when, when, the, when, when the owner did, it was here, it was here actually, and um, the horse felt pressure from just the human being present mm. and the owner was nervous and the horse turns out he's a stallion we just learned the other day he has a retained oh. testicle but uh. he was a bit out of his body as you say yeah and um when she focused on her breathing it, it was um it, it was just so obvious to me watching that her energy went inside of her body which is you know mm. we use pressure and release and her thoughts went inside of her body which 
took the pressure up right off the horse and you, and you stopped leaning away from her and you relaxed. And How cool. It was a really mind-blowing thing to watch. We, and I think, why is this? Oh, yeah, because I'm telling her to focus on the part that's inside her body. You can't produce your energy field any smaller than that. And um, yeah. you know, whether it was that or not, I don't know. But to watch the way the horse responded and to get that insight was, was really, really cool to watch. Yeah, that's amazing. How awesome, huh? Very interesting. And then the other thing you mentioned was when the horse is ready to learn, and I call that um, the start of harmony. Mm. But, but the, the human has a role to play there too, where we expect the horse to stand still and be mentally present and calm and relaxed. Yeah. And, and we need to do that too, standing next to them, not thinking about the next thing we're going to do. And, mm. and I reckon that's ground zero, that, that's harmony. And yeah. As I learn more about dressage and more about horses, I just love to work with people and the first time they're in harmony with their horse, where they're just standing still, chilling mm. out, they've got nowhere else they need to be and so is the horse and the horse feels comfortable and relaxed and happy to be there and they're not fidgety and it, it really is, it's a lovely thing to watch people achieve, I think. And then if we can yeah. take that level of um, harmony through every step with us, then you know, I think you can achieve something amazing. Yeah, you're right. And, and I mean, that is, like you say, it's ground zero. That's what we need for everything because without that, you can't really get much achieved. Well, yeah, and, and, and it's a funny thing. I used to think um, harmony came when you're up to your tempi changes. It, you know, it's hmm. just a natural part of the process. But, but, you know, in hindsight, it's a bit silly to, it doesn't happen by accident. And um, yeah. most people that have, problems with lead changes are often on horses where they can't just stand still together and, and that's good enough and and mm. the other thing you said reminded me of if the horse isn't in that calm state of mind and we ask it to do things it, it's almost like you're putting fuel on a fire and feeding yes. flames so that, that, that's try that's how i try to operate now whether if i ask anything it's going to put fuel on the fire yeah or if it's just going to be that next step of harmony and it's been an interesting way to operate i haven't wrapped my head around it but i've only become aware of it recently mm, that's um really interesting to think about um it like that so stopping yourself before you do the next thing and, and thinking is this adding to the fuel <laughs> or are, are we putting water on it <laughs> Yeah, and, and of course, the only way to find out if you are or not is to try. Yes. And, and um, you know, that willingness to poke and probe is where we can really grow, and, and the horses will forgive us. But, you know, we can mark up once and go, sorry, <laughs> and they don't, they, you know, they don't hold a grudge. If we yeah. do something 20 times and then we do something good the next time, they might go, yeah, I don't trust you. But, <laughs> but um, oh, I think so much of it's intention, too. If you do mm. it with a good intention and you're not ignoring the horse, they tend to forgive you pretty easily. Yeah, I think that is a really great point, um, that being willing to to try on our behalf and fail, um, that's probably a big thing that I notice in, in lots of people that I work with, they're too scared to try in case they get it wrong, um, which I guess comes from a good place, but it's not it's not really aiding them and their horse in the learning, is it? Well, it could come from a bad place too, and mm. I mean fear when I say that, because we're worried if we do the wrong thing we'll set the horse off, yes. but also we're worried if we do the wrong thing, well let's be honest, this sport um, can have 
some very harsh critics in it, and, and yeah. you've only got to get on some of the Facebook groups to see, you know, how, uh, not to be a Debbie Downer, but how venomous some of the conversations mm -hmm. can be. So I do understand why people are afraid to try in case they do make a mistake. Yeah. And maybe they're not scared of the mistake, but they're scared of what will happen as a result of having made that mistake. So it's one yeah. thing that I do talk about in, in my clinics and lessons is, it's only a mistake if you don't learn anything from it or mm -hmm. don't take notice of it. And the flip side is to don't hang around people who are going to make you terrified to make mistakes. You need to be around people who will support you through your mistakes and, and um, mm. you know, that way you'll all grow together. I Aiming guess that's forward. a whole other subject, isn't it? It totally is, isn't it? <laughs> so, Tony, how did you end up going over to America? Oh, so so as I said, I, I, I was working with bands and Buddy. I was a I was a single man. I'd come out of a pretty rough place, mm. and um, the the horses give me something to focus on, and I felt mm. good and fulfilled, and, and I loved it, and I, and I felt fresh and clean, I suppose. And um, mm. I, I was having a little bit of trouble with banjo horses. Banjo is still one of the most difficult horses I've ever worked with, but. Um, mm. I was having a little bit of trouble. I understood what was happening, but I couldn't quite make the, the breakthrough. And, and I felt like I was close. But you, you know, as it turned out, I wasn't close at all, but, but I was frustrated. Anyway, I, I sent an email to Robin Schiller and said, do you take interns by any chance? Because mm. um, I knew that you'd been over previously. And um, I said, is there any chance you take interns? I'll do anything. I'll chop the crap. I'll work the guts out for you. I just... I feel that spending some time with you might help me shed some light on the problem that I'm having. And yeah. she said, ah, oh, you don't have to travel crap, we've got ground star for that. <laughs> and, um, so I checked into my, in, in my trade because the um, trade is, is set up such that when a building gets built, most people will get fired and they don't get another job till the next building construction starts. Right. We have what's called portable long, long service leave and um, so you only need to be in the industry for X amount of time to get long service leave. And I had some long service leave owing. Mm. Um, and I had about 12 guitars. And I'd sold all but two of them and wow. cost me a long service leave. And, and that financed my trip to America. And uh, huh. it, it was a bit of a not leap of faith on my part. I'm more than Robin as it was. But for me, mm. it was like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of free and not doing anything. And I got out of my bad situation and had a place to stay. and was doing all right and you know, had a friend who could look after my horse as well I was born. So it, basically the planets lined up and, and I asked the question, awesome. I suppose, which was the hardest part. It is asking the question, isn't it? Um, um, and often the answer is yes, yeah. but it's getting brave enough to ask. Yeah, and, and I guess it comes back to that fear of failure, doesn't it? What if, what if they say no? And, and I was truly stuck. Mm -hmm. and, um, Again, I guess that's how I got involved with horsemanship because I was truly stuck. But oh well, I will ask it. Yeah, it was wonderful. I um, flew into LA and got a plane to San Jose, and Robin picked me up. And um, mm. I said, You're pretty brave picking up a, a strange fella. I'd met Warwick a couple of times by now. And yeah. in one of his clinics as well as fencing a few, but I didn't oh, know awesome. Robin. And, and she kind of nervously laughed at me and went, Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> And, um, I can I just imagine her saying that. Find wonderful people, and 
was wonderful. Well, they literally took, took us in like a part of our family. There was two other Australian girls over there at the time, but they were there for, for a long period and they were, were travelling around the place and dropping in and out. And, right. Uh, it was really good. I, I worked hard. Mm. Uh, I was there for a reason. I could have gone off partying and all that sort of stuff. But, mm. but, but no, I was there to learn as much as I could about the horses. And um, I'd had a, I'd met Anne by this stage and I quite fancied her, so I had mm. no reason to be, you know, have a have an eye out or anything and <laughs> I guess I just got there rolled my sleeves up and oh what happened Ali the first horse I rode on the first day I went to the barn was um a big mare called Emmy and she bucked me off uh-oh real hard and mm. it, it was quite a funny story I, I was riding her and she felt nervous and I think yeah. it was because I was nervous I was a little bit awestruck I was with Warwick and Chewy and mm -hmm. um I kept going to Bender and Chewy said to me, man, he's a Mexican, you know Chewy, and he's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to let the horse make a mistake. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so um, I let her go a little bit and she went real quick. She went from just a nervous trot to a big, big buck, really, really, really quick. And, oh, and gosh. she said, but and I was too, um, I'd never ridden in that Western saddle before. Mm -hmm. So I hunkered down and there was nothing there for my legs to grab and I was too silly to grab the saddle horn. And, after about eight bucks, she bucked me off, and you know, I hit the ground really hard. Mm. And um, I thought, oh, I couldn't feel the legs for a bit. I'm like, oh, I've broken my back. Oh, no. And Chewy comes sitting trot over to me, laughing, goes, Man, I know I told you you got to let the horse make a mistake, <laughs> but you took that to the extreme. And then he laughs and trots off, and by that stage, my feeling come back in my legs, and I sort of get up a little bit. And it, it was the best thing oh, that could happen because I was a bit cocky and she yep. knocked all the cockiness clean out of me on the very first day and mm. I was a very, very, very humble and astute student after that. Yeah, that, that is so interesting, isn't it? Just uh, that story. And, and I think um, going into a situation like that with somebody who you'd really admire, like you kind of want to show them like... I can, you know, I can do a thing or two, so um, I guess, <laughs> I guess the horses feel that though, don't they? Yeah, she did. I was, I was nervous and anxious, and I was probably a little eager to shut her down when she did get a bit um, antsy, and but then, uh, and I was a little uneasy. As to we said, I really took it to the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, Chewy, he's neat, huh? Oh, wonderful. It, just, it was a beautiful experience for me. I, I couldn't believe how kind and humble and open and um, warm Warwick and Robin were to let me in their family. Chewie was just a great guy. And, yeah. And I was only there for 30 days, but I really, really enjoyed it. And it was awe-inspiring to be around these people. Yeah, that's fantastic. And did you learn, while you were there, did you learn the bits that you were, I guess, hoping to learn to be able to take back uh, to get that next step happening with banjo? I, 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 I did. Mm -hmm. and I, I did and I didn't. I guess I learned the mindset that was required. Right. Um, you know, when there, I think there's 22 or 24 horses in the barn while I was over there and you know, so many of them were at different points along their journey and, and you watch, I thought I wasn't doing things correctly but but it turns out I was just rushing through them and I didn't realise exactly how um, long you can stick at, a, at something until the horse really 
found a firm grasp on it. And that's kind of counteracting to some other things I learned where sometimes you can bore the heck out of them and it's time to do something mm. different. Um, you know, I come home and I worked on Benj and, you know, he worked till he's eight and a half and, and I got him as a nine-year-old and um, there was a lot of, lot, a lot of work to um, win him over, if you will. And, and I, I met Ben and, and she was a chiropractor and um, he'd started in his ears when I took the saddle near him one day and I, I said, oh, bugger, I think mm. he's trying to tell me something. <laughs> and he intruded in and said that, that a lot of his bucking problems were probably pain-induced. Right. Um, so, and then he had bad feet and he had a whole bunch of things that I've learned um, as I chipped away at him were wrong. And yep. it probably wasn't until two years ago that he that all the pieces came together mm-hmm. and uh, he sort of become a beautiful, well-rounded horse. And what he'd do, if he got a little bit worried, within three quarters of a stride, he'd go from fully relaxed to fully cut and sick. Mm. And um, he, now you, you can feel him get a little bit welled up and just do a counter flexion or something like that, a lateral movement and, and, uh, and he'll relax down again. So. Learning to see it before it becomes I didn't, a big I didn't boom. find the magic button for my problem. Yeah. Um, but, but I did find the mindset that I needed to continue on with him and um, yeah, I've learned so much over there. That is fantastic. Yeah, I just loved my time over there and um, I wished it had gone on forever. <laughs> In fact, I, I think I tried quite hard yeah. to, to stay on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to come back to work, but I, I could easily have moved there, I reckon. Yep, definitely. That is super cool. And so I guess um, uh, I sort of picked up on what you were talking about with Anne, and um, I guess that starts to bring in the holistic side of things, isn't it? Where we can't be just thinking about the training aspect. We've got to take into account um, making sure that their body is right, their, their back, the chiropractics, the feet side of things. Yeah, and again, I said in um, the bio, I said, you know, guilt has been a powerful motivator for me. I, I really wasn't giving horses a good deal, you know, in the early days, but mm. now I, I really want to make it up to them. And I taught Banjo not to buck, and mm. um, but I didn't remove the cause of the bucking, and, and I couldn't. I was so focused on the training that I couldn't accept that. You know, removing the cause is just as important. I, I mean, yeah. it sounds stupid to even say that now, but it wasn't until Anne worked on him and I and I said, "Do you think there's enough problems there to cause him to misbehave?" And she's so polite. She said, "Oh yes, I think there's a few." And, and she <laughs> later on told me that his, you know, his sacros were shot and he's got a whole oh, bunch gosh. of body pain issues. And um, I felt pretty bad that I had told him not to buck, but mm. the, the beautiful horse went okay I can't buck anymore and that's when he started putting his ears back when I approached with the saddle and Mm. and it was lovely for him to tell me that way yeah yeah it's interesting that uh teaching them not to buck or um that's sort of I guess something that I've been a little bit more mindful of and I think I did a lot in the beginning as well as um if there were problems um teaching them teaching them a trick almost to to overcome the underlying problem rather than actually getting to the root cause of it and 
And I think, like you're saying with banjo, a lot of the time when there are those sort of things, we we so have to look at is it pain or health related because I think they often they don't do that sort of stuff for for no reason, do they? Well, and and that's what I'm you know learning. Every behaviour usually has a reason, and and I guess um, you know we. When you have success with difficult horses, you sort of get a name for working with difficult horses, and um, usually people are at their wits' end. They, they've tried the popular trainers or, or, or what have you, and um, mm. you know they end up here as almost the last resort a lot of the time. Yeah. And the so you get a little bit overwhelmed with horses that do have behavioural problems and, and the problem is then they're really set in stone. So mm. what's been nice is to have our own horses who are good who then develop problems and you can see it go from being good to a problem and go, ah, obviously there's a cause. So to have that um, exposure ha- has really opened my mind up to, to a different approach than, than what I would have just been presented, a horse with behavioural problems. Yeah. But yeah, I agree, Ellie, they, they seldom misbehave for no reason yeah do you know it's interesting the uh the little pony i was talking about earlier um i would i had noticed that um every time we'd been making good progress but he still wasn't um and we're still we're still on the journey of getting there um but i noticed that every time i worked with him he'd hang his willy out and there's somebody that's just joined the um the the live um feed that we're doing so (laughs) they've probably just walked in on me talking about horse willies but um (laughs) so every time we'd work he'd he'd do that and i thought gee like i so i started off thinking oh maybe it's because he's starting to learn that um that being around people isn't such a bad thing and um, and that he's getting a release of endorphins or something, and he's feeling pretty pretty chuffed about the experience, <laughs> and um, which I think it could have been a little bit as well, um, but I think more so. Uh, one day I just happened to bend down, and I think there'd been a um, a video going around uh, Facebook about the beans, and um, so I thought. Oh, yes. I'll, Yes, I thought, I'll have a look while he's got it out. And there was the biggest, poor poor little pony, like there was the biggest bean in there that I've ever seen. And he was all swollen and um, I thought, oh, I think he's been trying to tell me. And he, this pony had, he'd had a big uh, like bucking and rearing and nobody could stay on him, not even a track rider and um and i'd say it it, yeah yeah, i'd say a lot of the behaviors had stemmed from that and other things um and so anyway we we had to sedate him to get it out um but now it's really interesting because we don't we don't have the willy out every time we work (laughs) Hmm. that's an important thing too is there's a lot of um there's a lot of, I guess you'd call them assertions of, of givens in the horse world. Like one of them is, a, a, a classic one is when the horse licks and chews, he's having an aha moment or, mm. or what have you. And I've seen a lot, Facebook's a funny tool and it brings <laughs> a lot of information to you. And, and I've seen a lot of people say, oh, have you, you know, the horse is bucking, 
Mm. Someone will say, oh, it'll be a beam for sure, or it'll be this, or it'll be that. And then a lot of people have one experience and then base the rest of their information off that yes. one experience. And if, if horses have taught me anything, it's to collect all of those experiences and go, wow, um, things to consider when this happens. It could be this, this, mm. this, or this, or this, or this, mm-hmm. not, not just a... Uh, it's definitely oh, this. Last time I was here, so I'm going to do that. Then. Yes. Yeah, and and I think um, it was actually interesting because that uh, brings me back to uh, when I talked to Buck at the very beginning. Uh, I don't know if I said it when we were talking earlier, but I built up the courage all weekend anyway. To, I was a bit, bit starstruck, and I, uh-huh. at the end I said to him, when I grow up, I want to be like you. What do I have to do? And uh, he said to me, ride as many horses as you can and find a good mentor. And um, I, I think, like, I've been blessed to have so many great mentors. But um, working with so many horses has really been the big thing, I think, that uh, took my learning to the next level. Because, like you are saying, in this example... Um, yeah, you're not just basing it off one or two horses. You you're basing it off lots of different different things. So I think then you go through your checklist and see is it that or is it that or is it that or is it that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's great advice. You know, ride as many horses as you can and, and, and find a good mentor. Yeah, I liked it because it kept it kind of open. Like it wasn't like. Um, go and do this and then this and then this. It was just like, uh, you know, you learn along the way, ride as many horses. Yeah. You know, Joe Walter was over here recently and um, I rode a horse that that was a bit jumpy and he said the horse was not travelling forward. He had been Mm. beautifully and uh, we were pretty sure there was some saddle issue going on because the saddle didn't fit. Anyway, we got a saddle that fitted and that we thought, okay, this horse just needs to be shown he can move forward again and the saddle's not going to hurt. So Joe said, if you considered riding with a flag and the horse would be quite spooky. <laughs> and yeah. um, so I rode him with the flag and, and, and he was fine until about the fifth time I used it and, and my hand got out to the side of me and he shied away from the flag and, and, and I fell off in front of bloody Joe Walter. Oh, man. I and, think um, I remember you writing that. Not to mention that. the rest of the clinic. Yeah, oh, it was. It was um, I, I thought, well, you're the boss, Joe. If you say mm-hmm. to ride him with a flag, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the student here, and uh, and it was a soft fall. It didn't hurt too much. Yeah. Got back on the horse. The horse was okay. But at the end of the clinic, I said, so, what's your tips, Joe? And I think he thought I was a little bit poppy. I, I don't know why. I just got a weird mm. thing, and maybe I was a little bit defensive. I'm not too sure, but he. He said, oh, and it looked like he was thinking of a nice thing to say. And I didn't take the best horse. I took our most difficult horse because yeah. I wanted to learn. And yeah, awesome. I said, for me, just don't buy the coat, don't sugarcoat it. Just what, what's your best advice for me? And he said, uh, ride in contact more and shorten your stirrups. <laughs> Which was, it wasn't the um, it wasn't the <laughs> advice I was thinking of yet. I thought he'd give me a gem, do this and this. But yeah. It, it was more of an answer that made me think. And, and huh. you know, I teach all our horses to go without contact, and I struggle in my dressage to to maintain the contact. And I've, I've learned it over the last couple of years when I discovered it um, yeah. in a nice way. But still, 
that inclination to throw the reins away when the horse is, is doing good is a strong one with me and it's probably what got me off and I wasn't able to respond in time to the horse starting to move out from underneath me because there was so much slack in the reins but they're very I thought that's a weird bit of advice to give um, mm-hmm. because it was open-ended and it made me think a lot more yeah and so have you taken that and um, and, and done anything with it yeah, so I guess I was insulting my horses when they could go on a loose rein. I didn't then progress up to the next level, which was yeah. in, inviting them to take the contact and, and then enjoying that when it was time to do that. Mm. Um, and, and it's something we, we've got a wonderful dressage coach here, coach here Thomas Mullenbeck, who's um, he's a German trainer and he's just wonderful. I think he's better than Carl Hester, and I think Carl yeah. Hester's you know the best. So. We're very awesome. happy to work with him, and, and, and I've taken all sorts of different horses to him, and it's um, I've been on our Tracana horse, Logan, when, when I had a lesson, and this horse is trained to Pre-St. George, mm. um, that what he said started to really, really make sense. But by the same token, I taught that horse to go on a long rein and control himself, and when he got a fright, I can drop, drop the reins to the buckle, and, and he sorts himself out. So mm. it caused me to think about what I'm doing yeah. and why, Mm. and not not to drop it but to think about it more and also to think about what i'm not doing why and maybe pick up some some um you know contact when maybe i wouldn't but yeah, yeah it, interesting. It, was a, it wasn't a black and white lesson it was all ambiguous and a lot of the stuff i learned is almost like vibe you know it's the vibe of the thing and um, yeah yeah it was, it, it's definitely changed the way i work with them and, and as i said i think sometimes i insult the horse by not not raising the bar to the next level when, mm. when I could. It's interesting you say that because that was one thing um, when I rode with Joe when I was living in uh, North Carolina. Um, I had a really lovely Frisian warm blood who I'd been uh, starting for a client, and I was lucky enough for her to let me to take him to to this colt starting clinic. And so I'd missed out on day one, which was kind of all right, because I'd got him to a stage where I'd done a couple of rides on him, um, just sort of, you know, like, well, I guess basic, like hopping on, hopping off, yielding the hindquarters, lateral flexion, all that sort of stuff. And um, so in, in, our, in the first day for me, day two of the clinic, um, it, it was really cool like he I don't know if he did it with in your clinic but he got all of the cults going around this um kind of oval arena together and um we just had them in halters and we had the flag as well which was kind of terrifying um but it it was amazing I because it was like this it was just like organized chaos but it went beautifully and um and at the end of the clinic he or it must have been towards the end of the second day or the last day of the clinic he commented to me as well to sort of not just go through the motions of the exercises that we do and sort of to know when I could um and that I was ready to expect a little bit more so I guess the same as what you're saying like not insulting the horse by staying at that basic for basic level for too long knowing when to pick up and ask for a little bit more yeah 
I guess it's the hardest thing, especially if you've come to this through, you know, the hard way through having difficult horses and you you're, you don't know what to do and, mm. you know, you've realised that this, you know, going on a loose rein is a bit of a foundation and mm. <clears throat> so for me personally, I overdid a lot of that basic simple stuff and was, was reluctant to move forward. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's so funny, everything in training is like a big old pendulum and, and mm-hmm. you swing it from one end to the other and one to the other and eventually land in the middle and, you know, our, our training business, which is Anne's credit, she had it going before I met her, is balanced equine mm-hmm. performance and, you know, that word balance is just yeah. um, Perfect. so, like you can apply it to everything, you know, what's the balance, if your horse is hot, Help him learn to be real cool, and, and, and then you'll get him hot again and cool, and some some you know eventually you'll end in the middle where where he can mm. be relaxed and forward, as our friend Emma Blake likes to call it. And uh, mm. yeah, yeah, that's really neat, isn't it? It was quite cool the other day. I was working with a student, and um, I said to her to uh, think of think of a couple of words um, that she that were kind of like descriptive words of what she would like to have in her session. And so her two words that she came up with were, and she doesn't, she hasn't followed Anna um, at all, um, or or too many other people at all, really. Um, And so she told me that she wanted relaxed energy. And I thought, that's really cool, because that is really what we want. It is, isn't it? Just a and and, a, and and I guess what we mentioned earlier about the harmony. If you find that same mindset where they're not to use your words out of their body, mm. and you're just doing the thing together, well, that's what you're going to end up with, isn't it? Just the energy to move with the relaxation and yeah. Um, I think I think I've I've had to rediscover dressage because it's not always done so well. And and as mm. I you know, Anne led me to it and. As I had to learn more about it, it's just such an amazing thing that mm. uh, you just end up with this, you know, relaxation and huge amounts of energy for the, you know you're looking for leg He's you know, she, um, Charlotte could drop the reins at any time of that horse and just simmer down to a walk or what have you. Yet he's yeah. doing these hugely explosive movements um, with, with I guess relaxed energy. Yeah, it's a good mm. way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, you can thank a 13-year-old for that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, kids out of the of babes. <laughs> yep, totally. And I think um, maybe we should start to wrap up. We're at an hour 30 already. How crazy is that? Oh, goodness me. We oh, might... Ellie, I can talk about horses all day long. I know, me too. We might have to organise another um, one of these so that we can we can carry on <laughs> but um i think that almost brings us back around to what we talked about at the start and um kids with horses and um and how they seem to have this knack knack of um getting things done uh without too much thought to it i guess yeah i think it's uh, an innocent um, partnership, isn't it? That yeah. No, no. I guess no adult bull, bull crap in their head to, to get around it. Yeah. So what have you? It's almost like in my dressage journey, I'll go full circle. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep. 
what have you found you've learned in because uh, I think uh, there's probably quite a lot of us that have uh, and, and probably Warwick has uh, sparked that a bit as well with his was it is it the 10 year old girl training um, but I think yeah so so what has your learning journey been around that and how has that changed for you Oh, I don't think I've ever acted any older than 10 hours. <laughs> you stayed there. <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. Um, yeah, cool. Where, where you take the business, you know, there's no, no business in the training. 10-year-old um, mm. girl training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's where you love the horse and yourself still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I do watch a, a lot of problems are where we get all this negative energy because we have expectations that aren't met. And, and what the problem isn't in what we're trying to do. The problem is in the negative energy that we build up in the doing of it. And, you know, we end up causing defensiveness and bracing the horse. And, you know, I'm a big believer in um, trusting the universe and, and just letting go and, and trusting the universe. She'll look after you nine times out of ten. And, yeah. And maybe maybe that's it to, to you know release our agenda and um, just enjoy every moment with the horse. And it's beautiful to be able to discover that pure enjoyment again without the burden of expectation. And um, yeah, I guess mm. that's good up for me to love the horse and, and ourselves. Yeah, that is fantastic. I'm just writing these down. <laughs> We're gonna make up some make some Tony <laughs> Haynes quotes. <laughs> it's funny if I've got enough time. I met Damien uh, me and Georgia Colboss's housewarming party on the weekend. Yes. And Damien's an Irishman who's over here working for Jimmy in Georgia, and he's he's in the um, the Brumby Challenge. And uh, he, uh, there was a thing I was watching a horse, and I wanted it to go over an obstacle, and I I got the phone out and went, "Hey, I, I, this is live. I could be wrong here, but I think this horse." knows what I have asked of it, mm -hmm. and if I put any pressure on it, I'll just be getting in the way of the horse, putting fuel on the fire, so I might just stop here and wait. Yeah. Anyway, the horse stood there, stood there, and after maybe 45 seconds, it breathed and, and walked over the obstacle, and mm. um, so Damien was telling me that, that he had this horse, and, and uh, he presented the problem, if you want to call it that, an obstacle or whatever it was. Yeah. And he thought the horse looked like it was going to do. So he said to Georgia, I'm doing a Tony Haynes thing. And of course it didn't work. The horse buggered off. So oh. <laughs> I thought that was a funny story. That's great. Mm. <laughs> only, only you've got the magic. Yeah, and cracked it up. Oh, oh no 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 not not that at all but, but, but it, you know it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't yeah it, totally it, it, i guess my message my personal message would be to take the feedback from the horse from that and, and then yeah see if you can reapply it differently but i just thought that was good he's just, <laughs> yeah, uh, just talked me up and then bad stuff happened. <laughs> oh that is so funny yeah it, it's one of those things isn't it that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and um, I was actually talking to Dan James the other day about um, the freestyles and stuff and we were sort of talking about how you just have to be prepared that things just might not go to plan and you just have to sort of go roll with it and not get upset and, um, and, and figure out the next step. 
I, I can imagine, especially in the amazing tackless stuff that, that he does, you kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could bet it, 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 the magic would be in the hall doing something you didn't expect and then going with it, I, I guess. But, uh, yeah. It, it, it's unbelievable to watch what he achieves, though. Oh, they're just amazing horsemen, aren't they? Very much so. It's very lucky cool. enough to um, have a clinic with Dan Steers, and it, it, was, it was pretty special. Oh, you did it. You had a clinic with Dan Steers. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a, a friend. I rode a friend's horse. She, she'd been injured, and um, yeah, it was a cutting. Uh, not a cutting clinic, a ground driving clinic and a mechanical cow clinic. And uh-huh. yeah, it was something else. For the next 12 months after that clinic, little things that he'd said were starting to make sense. And, mm. and, and yeah, the pennies were dropping left, right, and center after that one. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't had a chance to work with them in a clinic uh, format yet, but I'd love to someday. Hopefully, we can get them down to New Zealand to, to do some clinics. Yeah, that'd be good. We're, we're lucky this day and age, the quality of clinicians that move around the place, and um, yeah, I'd rec- recommend it. Mm, yep. So, to finish off, um, I follow a guy called Tim Ferriss, and uh, he has this cool question at the end where he asks, uh, if you could have a massive billboard with something written on it, what would you have written on it? Oh, about horses or anything? Oh, it could be, but anything you want. Ah, that's a good question. I have to remember. Be kind to each other and to yourself. Yeah, that's good. Because I think uh, that feeds through into our horsemanship, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of the troubles I see with braciness in horses is because the person perhaps isn't being as kind to themselves as they, as they might otherwise be. So, and, and, you know, a lot of, uh, if we were kind to each other and ourselves, there wouldn't be any wars. So, yep. <laughs> you put me on the spot though, Ali, that's the best I can come up with. You can, you can uh, think of another one for next time when, when you're not so on the spot, but that is perfect. <laughs> Well, to, to, to um, if I had one word to tell someone about horsemanship, it would be balance. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's kind of a little bit like, um, you know, what we were talking about with Buck and Joe. It's, um, I guess, a little bit of a directive, but it's quite open-ended, which I think is what horses and training and the journey is all about. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can get in the ballpark with, with mechanised ways of doing things, but, but then when that difficult horse comes along or the weird problem comes along, I, I just think, you know, if you apply the principle of balance then, um, and that yeah. swinging pendulum that, you know, nine times out of ten it's going to get you there. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for jumping on with me today, Tony. Um, It's been awesome talking with you and learning more about you and um, hearing some cool little nuggets, gold nuggets in there that I'm sure people can um, take away and apply to their own journey as well. So that's just awesome. But um, if people want to 
find well, out more about you and Anne, where can they go? Well, the, the Facebook, of course, we have Balanced Equine Performance, which is Anne's uh, chiropractic and bodywork and rehab page. Awesome. And then my page where I wax lyrical and such is uh, Balanced Equine Performance Training Centre. And our website is www.balancedequineperformance.com.au. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tony. Um, this is what Dean has Thank you, just... Ali. It's been fun. I've never done anything like this before. That's cool. It's awesome. Well, we will have to do more. So, <laughs> and hopefully I need to figure out how I can set it up so that people don't just have to look at me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, let's talk again uh, th soon. Thanks for having me, Ali. It's, it's been great. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. This podcast was proudly brought to you by Finesse Equestrian. For free videos and articles, head on over to finesseequestrian.com or the Facebook page. If you liked this, don't forget to rate, comment, share and subscribe so everyone can benefit.